0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You're listening to episode 42, Midweek Series Edition number 20. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-hosts Adi Bulubasis and Lambros Sirmos today. It's a small podcast today. We're going to go over some news in the Super League, a couple transfers, a couple games, look at the standings, and we're also going to discuss Olympiacos's nil no victory over us day release today. We do want to apologize first of all to all the listeners. Uh, we do still have the episode with Matt Derbyshire coming out. It was supposed to be today, but uh, we had some scheduling difficulties with Matt and it's been postponed. We will have more info on the release date of that episode as soon as we have a date scheduled down. but don't fear people. Continue to ask us questions. This means you have more time to ask us questions on social media at Gate7INTL, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. And we will definitely have that one out at some point soon. Until then, let's get into some other housekeeping and news around the Greek Super League. We do have a new special guest to announce that is coming out next week on Thursday, January 14th, when we will be joined by Vasily Sandrakos from Gazeta.gr. He'll be joining the podcast to discuss various issues around the Super League, as well as the game between Pauk and Olympiacos. We also have our episode with the PSV podcast, which comes out on February 17th, ahead of the first leg of the Europa League round of 32 between Olympiacos and PSV. We will discuss their team with them and do some pre-match analysis. We also want to say thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at PiraeusINTL.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. And getting into news around the Super League, we'll start off with Olympiacos, where we have a whole bunch of various things. Uh, The first news that we do want to discuss is something very serious and very somber. Uh, Omar El Abdelawi on New Year's Eve suffered a very dangerous injury, encountered with a firework. This was a complete accident. Um, Reports out of Turkey are saying that Omar actually jumped in front of his child in order to save him from the blast and received some very dangerous injuries. As far as we know, he's still recovering. There was some damage to his hand. His eyesight was in doubt for a while, but we're being told that he can now see. He released a message today saying he's getting better and will be back on the pitch soon. So we're very hopeful that he is back on the pitch and that he makes a full recovery. Um, There's been a whole lot of touching support from a lot of his teammates at Olympiacos, whether people still at the club or other players who have moved on, and that's been really nice to see. And uh, it's it's hopefully looking good for Omar.
1: Yeah, and uh, Matty Kamara dedicated his goal today to Omar, throwing up the numbers one and four, his old number at Olympiakos. And also under his post, it was so nice to see some of our old players just commenting and showing him so much love. You had Arthur Mazwaku, Roberto, just... Just almost everyone who's come through this club and played with Omar showed him so much love and it's really known that he's one of the best people who've ever passed through our clubs and the the outpouring of love really demonstrates that. So we over here wish him all the best and hope he's on the pitch again soon.
0: Yeah, I saw a whole bunch of images on social media of players across Europe uh, wearing warm-up clothing uh, with Omar's face on it in support of, of his recovery. And like you said, Lambro, Maricamara, after scoring his goal today, uh, put up Omar's number with his hands in, in uh, honor of Omar. Um, obviously a great captain for our club and a great servant for so many years. So hopefully we get to see him back on the pitch and we'll let you know about any more updates as they come. Uh, looking back to transfer news, Maxi Lovera is linked with a loan move to Belgian club Anderlecht. They, the Belgians want a buyout option for him. Uh, obviously, he hasn't been getting very much time, but he's still a very talented player. So if he's going to get loaned out, I personally think that the buyout option is going to have to be pretty big because he's a valuable player. I really think that um, he would come good if he was given the opportunity. He's not really being given that opportunity at Olympiacos, so I think a loan is probably best for him. But hopefully we don't lose him for pennies. And don't forget, we
2: spent almost four million for him. So for me, it's eight million, and that's it. Uh anything less is unacceptable. We need to get our money back on this player. Uh Anderlecht like, wants a much, much, much lower buyout, something closer in the realm of five million. Sorry, not happening. Too much potential and cost us too much to get him here. I, I don't want any buyout to be honest, but they want one. Eight million or nothing. That's it.
0: I think they probably think they can snap him from us. I bet they've seen a little bit of film of this kid and realized that he's young and talented. And I mean, shoot, they probably think they can get him for nothing. But uh, like you, Adi, I hope that we have a pretty steep buyout clause on him. Another player rumored to be leaving Olympiacos is Pape Aboucisse, our third string center back. He was originally linked with Nice in France. However, they've brought in William Saliba on loan from Arsenal, so that's looking a bit less likely. Lille are still in the mix, and if that move does happen, Olympiakos will likely be in the market for another center back. Uh, we're seeing a variety of numbers from the range of 5 to 10 million euros, uh, hopefully closer to 10 if Cissé does end up leaving. One name that had come up, maybe just because the Greek press likes to bring up old Greek players, is Sokratis Papastathopoulos, who is currently out of favor at Arsenal. It looks like he will probably be returning to Genoa, where he's formerly played. He's also, I think, said in interviews that he doesn't want to come back to Greece, or maybe someone said that about him. So in other words, I think that's pretty unlikely that he'll be back at Olympiakos. But if Cissé does leave, we will need a replacement.
2: And the Cissé rumors seem to be bringing rise to other CB rumors. We've seen um, Mustafi from Arsenal linked as well. His contract is coming up. It's ending, I should say, this coming summer. So he'll be available for cheap. That's probably why the club is looking. As an Arsenal fan, no thank you. I want no part of that. But we've also seen now that Markovic, there's news coming out of Serbia that partisan are worried that Markovic could leave them in January. There is a clause in his loan deal where Kos can recall him in January. And it's being rumored that we will do that, especially in the case of Cissé leaving. So that would be interesting because he's a youngster top prospect i would love to have him back
1: honestly though I, it, it's crazy to think that cc could be out for like five to ten million when was it just a few years ago it was like 15 million plus we wanted for him like it's obvious that he he's a good player he does certain things really well but he never reached that potential i think that we all thought he had when he first came in and when he was partnered was it with bjorn angles that disaster class of a season, but they too, they looked pretty good together. And, and it's just kind of disappointing because I remember reading some big names he was linked to. So honestly, it's a bit sad, but it may be time for him to move on and try something else, maybe in France.
0: Yeah, I think what basically happened is people realized he wasn't going to get that much better. He's still a bit mistake prone. He's still a bit awkward at times and gets his legs stuck in. So yeah, I think... 5 to 10 million is probably about right for him given his age right now, but it is a shame because, you know, he was linked with some bigger teams earlier on. Uh, one more player that Olympiacos are linked with bringing in is Larissa striker Dimitris Pinakas, the 19-year-old prospect who has looked very encouraging this season, one of the few bright spots for that struggling Larissa team. Trying to get this guy in means negotiating with Alexis Cuyas, who um, certainly has his way about things. He seems to think that, If Olympiacos can spend 3 million euros on a foreign player like Pepe, then uh, they should pay the same, if not more, for somebody like Pinakas, and uh, we'll see where those negotiations end up, but the bottom line is, you know, you've got to get through Alexis Cuyas if you want to get this kid in a red and white shirt.
1: I I want him, no matter what, the goal against Pauk was just beautiful, and he's shown so much, and... I don't even think striker may be his correct position. I think he could be like the next 10 or something like that. Honestly, I don't know, but I don't want to see him end up in black and white. I don't want to see him in green and white. I don't want to see him in black and yellow. I want to see him here in Piraeus. I, I I, don't know. Three million is an awful lot of money for a Greek player in the Greek Super League, especially in a club that, let's <laughs> be honest, made about to be get relegated so I, d- I don't know I maybe Kuyas is bluffing but maybe one to two million can do it he's obviously a player with a ton of talent but he's going to be a long-term project probably unless he comes in in the summer and just wows Martins but how many players have done that in three years
0: yeah I think it's going to be one of those situations where you know right now I see him play and I you know I I'm, I'm kind of thinking I give three million for him maybe but He's probably going to come in, get loaned out to Larissa, come back. Martins is going to say he's in his plans and not loan him out. And then he's just not going to play. And it's going to be like, oh, where's Pinakas? He's the new Vrusai, the new Andrusos. I mean, this is me being a bit pessimistic, but uh, I do worry about that, especially if we're going to go shell out 3 million, which for the record, like if he becomes good, I mean, he will eventually get sold for more than that. So That's something to keep in mind. But anyway, we will see, and we will give more updates as that transfer saga continues on. Moving over to Thessaloniki with Pauk. As we mentioned, uh, Amir Warda and Duvikas are coming up to Thessaloniki. And uh, the Warda deal is official. He's been announced by the club and everything. He's back. The Duvikas deal is still in negotiation. We're not really sure where that's at. But he is looking to be on his way to Pauk. Uh, Pauk have also signed another striker. 27-year-old Czech international Michael Kremczyk, who was signed from Club Bruges. He also played for Victoria Pilsen, so Olympiacos fans might remember him from the Champions League qualifiers a couple of years ago. Pauk still looking to fix their goal-scoring issues up front. Cholak didn't totally work out, and maybe Kremczyk is the answer for for their issues.
1: Honestly, Peter, does, does any Olympiacos fans remember Kremczyk? Did, did, did he and Victoria Pilsen score a goal? I, I forget. He honestly could have just been like a, a body floating around. He he. I don't remember him creating anything. So he, he's going to fit in with Cholak and Sviderski for sure. But but one of those guys I read may be leaving. the the big the big summer signing Cholak from Dynamo Zagreb may be off to Belgium. I think it was Standard Liège was in for him. Also, some teams from back in Croatia are back in for him. Disappointing for the for the Croatian player, but. Okay, the the Michael Kriminanciak signing is interesting, I guess. I don't think he's really done anything in his career. On a more interesting note, Warda back for his like 20th time at Pauk. Deal happened instantly. Who knows what happened there? Very interesting. Duvikas, yeah, is also off to Pauk. It's just a matter of time, but I read he's probably going to stay at Volos for the rest of this season, which is probably good for him, but... If we're being honest, is, is Duvica's really that much worse than Dersky missing 20 chances, Cholak barely being able to run, and this guy from Victoria Plzen? Like, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing for me. I mean, if they're bringing in another striker, clearly they don't want Duvica's right away. But I think it's a good move for Pauk if they can bring him in, obviously. Cholak. At least Cholak, I mean, he was scoring lots of goals in Croatia before he came over. I mean, Croatia is a smaller league, but he was scoring a lot of goals over there. Kremenczuk, obviously Belgium is a bigger league, but he wasn't really uh, very impressive in his time at Club Bruges. wasn't, you know, getting on the, the score sheet a lot, but we'll see what he can do at Pauk. One more note, heading over to Atromitos uh, with one of their more experienced center backs, Spiros Rizvanis. He's headed to Anorthosis in a very odd transfer deal. It seems that something may have happened between the two clubs, and he's basically leaving for free or for €100,000 or something like that. Um, Adi, I think you have the story on this, but it's a very interesting issue uh, from what I've heard. Yeah,
2: it's really bizarre because the first thing we heard was that the that Anorthosis wasn't meeting the demands of Atomiros. Then it appears that Rizvani's wanting to leave and he didn't want, he was, he didn't have any plan of renewing a contract with Atomiro, so they were going to lose him anyway. And now there's rumors that his agent may have done a buyout for his player rights so that he could, I, the whole thing is really bizarre. God knows what the truth actually is, but there's just been some really interesting stories about what's going on. Uh, but clearly something happened between, in the negotiations, Atomiro and Anortho C wouldn't come to the table anymore and the player had to do something on his own to get himself out of the contract whatever it is if it's the agent buying his rights out so he could leave who knows well it's an interesting
0: one because we actually had Adi's old coach Yanni Katriciosis who was praising Rizvani as a, a good center back and then uh now he's off to Cyprus to try to fight against our guy Stel's Omonia team for the uh the Cypriot League title over there so interesting transfer and and as you said, Adi, very weird, and we might never know what the real deal was here.
1: Yeah, it's strange because, honestly, this season, Arthromythros have been terrible. They had the old coach come back. Well, what's his name? I was, I'm was i terrible with names, as everyone knows. But
2: Kandi, I, I believe it is.
1: Kandi. It's something like, anyway, it's Kandi. And everyone K- was thinking K- they were K- K- back. Kandi. K- 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 it's kanadi is what
2: it
0: sounds anyway,
1: as everyone knows, like, names is my favorite, like... That's Could you imagine if Names edit. was like... Uh, <laughs> anyway, so so Kandi comes back, and everyone thinks, oh, wow, Thromitos has a decent team, and they have the old the old Ike right back to, who I can't remember his name, of course. And it, it's been really disappointing for the, them this season, from what I've read, and they've looked really weak. And Rizvanis has seemed to push himself out the door, like, very strangely, and Rizvanis has been considered one of the best defenders, along with his partner, which Yanni, our former guest, uh, Adi's trainer, mentioned. Gutas are two of the best defenders outside of like the big five, big six of Greek clubs. So it, it's a bit strange, and I haven't really, to be honest with you, followed, but it, it, it's an interesting development. Like, what is going on with Athromythos? Are they going to be a relegation fighter? Are they going to make mid-table? Or It's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll have to keep up on what's going on over there.
0: With Varisa and Lamia and also Panetoricos, I, I think they're probably safe from relegation. But oh yeah, they're definitely safe. Like, like Lamia is so bad. <laughs> but like the names on their team, like you said, Lambro, like they're two center backs, uh obviously before Rizvanis left, and uh uh the Ike right back, Rodrigo Gallo, I think is his name. Manusos is like okay, like it's at least experienced super league players, and and yeah, they've been very poor, but Let's get into the games from Wednesday as we're recording this today. The first one, Panathinaikos picking up a 1-0 result over Apollon Smyrnis. A first goal in the Greek Super League for Fotis Ioannidis with Panathinaikos. He came in from Levadiakos in the summer, 20 years old, turns 21 pretty soon. Uh, another young player in the fold for Panathinaikos scoring his first goal. Zagaritis, who we've praised in the past, actually got sent off in this game, two yellow cards. but. Panathinaikos get the 1-0 win anyway.
1: As people do when they have nothing to do, I was watching Panathinaikos and Apollona. And to be honest, it was a pretty mediocre game. A crazy incident happened to you. These, like, punched the back of the head of this uh, attacker, and the guy had to get taken off on a stretcher and I think sent to the hospital And duty. almost, like, broke his nose. And it seemed like a penalty to me, but I guess they called it off with VAR. And then Apollona scored a goal late on, which was like, they went crazy. And it was just slightly offside. It was actually a pretty entertaining game. Panathinaikos had some chances. I was rooting so hard for Panathinaikos to drop points. One, because we hate them. Two, because Laszlo Bologni would have come on the press conference and insulted another reporter. It would have been so epic. But (laughs) neither occurred, so.
2: Didn't Zagaritis also just get an award like before the game? I think he won. He got Young Player of the. It was a Young Player of the Month award. He got some accolade, and then he ends up getting a red card. I just thought that was kind of funny. That's Poor so- timing, to say the yeah. least.
1: No, yeah, he he played terribly, like from what I watched, and he the, the the second yellow card was almost a penalty, and I think they checked it on VAR, and since it wasn't a penalty, they gave a card for it. You know how they have that
0: yeah the double jeopardy to- yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, oh, but Alexandropoulos played fantastic guys. I gotta give a shout out to him. He had so much good burst energy burst through the line, like reminded me very much. So of Camara, it was, mm. an, it was a decent game to be honest. It was a bit boring at times, but decent.
0: Well, another one nail result was the one between Ike and Panetolikos. Uh, that one courtesy of Costas Galanopoulos. Good to see him get a goal. Another assist for Matalos who has been pretty productive this season. I get the result, keep a clean sheet, which even against Panitoliko, surely they'll be happy about and get the three points that they're looking for. The other game today was a relatively uneventful nil-nil draw between Yanina and Larissa. Larissa at least pick up a point. Michael Vicini. I hope you enjoyed. Congratulations. Although, just a quick overview of the stats, Yanina had more shots and more shots on target. So Larissa just glad they got the point there they looked from what i saw with the stats pretty toothless but a point is a point um looking at the standings volos have actually hopped back up into sixth in the standings and uh Asteras have gone down after failing to pick up any points against Olympiacos. aris after losing to lamia earlier in the week are now nine points behind Olympiakos, although they do have a game in hand and larisa and lamia with eight and five points, respectively. Currently sit in the bottom two spots of the Super League, although Lamia have played only 11 matches, whereas most other teams have played 14 or 15. I believe they've had some coronavirus problems, so theoretically, they could potentially uh, make some ground up on Barisa. Now, heading into the Olympiakos versus Tripolis game, um, Olympiakos win for nothing. It was a very exciting game. I thought it was fun to watch. Not a perfect game for Olympiakos, but that's okay, because we are just that much more talented than these teams. A An Olympiakos debut for Oleg Rebchuk, the big left-back signing who came on as a substitute, gave us maybe 15 minutes or so at the end of the game. Mari Kamara scored a very nice goal, Fortuni scored a very nice goal. Uh, Ruben Semedo and Bruma both got on the score sheet. Fun was had by pretty much everybody. Adi, what's your overall thought for this game, uh, if you had to summarize?
2: Uh, I mean, the first half for me was pretty underwhelming in terms of how we played openly. Our first three goals all came from set pieces. If you notice, uh, we didn't really do much, at least especially in the first half and maybe even the beginning of the second half from open play. Things did develop. We got a little bit better here and there. There was a lot of shuffling um, I think a lot of game management from Martins in the first half. We saw, I mean, the wings switch sides. At one point, Masuras was playing the 10. At one point, Bruno even floated into the middle. There was so much change and adjustment because of us struggling to get stuff going in the final third, uh, which I'd like to see, you know, if things aren't working, you have to make adjustments. It's better than what Martins has done normally. So that was all right. And But the important thing for me was, what we've always wanted to see is even a bad Olympiakos should have been doing better than it was, especially in the beginning of the season. one nothing, 2 nothing against Panatolikos and the Yaninas of the world. Not that they're bad teams, but our quality is just that good. It should be doing better, even in a mediocre performance. And now you've seen it. Two games, one against Ike and this one, where we weren't playing at the top level we know Olympiakos can play at. And we're crushing teams for nothing, three nothing, five nothing. This is Albionkos. Again, I'm not going to say that performance was perfect, but even an imperfect Albionkos performance should be three nothing, four nothing like this. And even
0: though it was an imperfect performance, I really liked what I saw from some players. Um, the first player I'm going to mention, I'm already going to tell you he's my man of the match. Although we'll run through it at the end of the episode, Marí Camara. His goal was gorgeous. Um, off of Valbuena set piece, just first-time volley, beautifully hit, impossible to save. Celebrated with a shout-out to Omar, it was very nice. Lambro, by the way, I want to give a shout-out to you once again. Valbuena with two assists from set pieces today, the Semedo header as well as Madi's goal for the first two goals of the Olympiacos game. This is a man here, Lambro Sirmos, who said Valbuena's set pieces are dry and they're not giving us any goals. Well, since he's returned from injury in two games, he has produced three goals from either free kicks or corners. Lambro, what are your thoughts on that? May I respond to the slander? As usual, weekly slander.
1: Okay, the deliveries have been good since he's been back, which was the Ike game, I believe, and this game today. We need to go back and see how many assists he got from set pieces from, I kind of want to say the Wolves game, is the Wolves game, to when he got injured i bet you there was zero like i have a gut feeling it was zero i am gonna be honest i could be wrong but it may be zero if you guys saw the instagram video from france of him taking free kicks he obviously listened to the of seven international podcast and practiced his set pieces it's it's just it's the only answer right see it's the only way to explain it right peter
0: i just want to say lambro um regarding you complaining about getting slandered i'm just doing this for any palc fans that might be listening because i can only imagine that palc fans who listen to the podcast just absolutely hate lambro although some have speculated that he is actually a palc fan himself um you know we just have to keep the man in check over here you know make sure he doesn't get too uh too off his leash as they say um you know that's just all i'm trying to do here Valbuena might not have had any assists for a while, but he's had three in the last two games off of set pieces. Well, actually, the first one wasn't an assist to be fair, but it was a goal that came from a set piece that Valbuena took.
1: Uh, imagine like being a Pauk fan and you've signed the bolds Zlatan Ibrahimovic and like you come onto the Gates of an International podcast and just hear him get slandered for his performances <laughs> while playing a, like two years ago with Victoria Pleasant.
0: It's we're deserved. like, we're like. I watched him for one game, and he didn't do anything. Therefore, he is not going to do anything in an entire season for Pauk.
1: He's basically a light pole. That's that's all I know. I,
0: anyway, I um, showed him how
1: it was done. Yeah. Anyway,
0: uh, I, I want to move on. I want to just get into Oleg Rebchuk right away. The Moldovan international left back comes in for his first game wearing the number forty-five with the name Oleg on the back, which I thought was kind of cool. He said, "Like, nah, I'm getting my first name on the back because I'm a guy. I'm a cool guy like that." Um, Adi, you did the deep dive on Rebchuk. and I want to know. It was obviously, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. He only touched the ball a few times. He was only involved in maybe two or three defensive actions. I thought he looked, you know, pretty uh, flawless in that short amount of time. Uh, I want to know what you thought as someone who's seen a lot of his film. Uh, were you surprised by the performance, and, and did you see stuff that you saw in the film before? I
2: saw pretty much everything that we saw in the film. I mean, look, one of the first times he was on the ball and he actually got a a, a little bit of a dribble off, he did one of the two moves that I said that he's going to do most of the time. <laughs> and it, it, that's it's fine. Look, if if you don't need to have a wide portfolio of offensive ability when you're a wing back. I mean, As Chimikas long, did, you know, exactly. A lot of the same Chimikas is similar. He didn't have a huge portfolio either. He had his go-to in and out, went to the byline, maybe a cut back. And that was it. And Rebchuk is the same way. He's got a couple things he can do and man, you got a glimpse of his speed a little bit today. Guys, I mean, I can't wait. I want to see more full 90-minute performances from him because I want to see him unlocked. Yes, especially after watching Jose Julebas just like clumsily kick the ball
0: out of bounds like five times yeah. in one game. But yeah, Rebchick, the he had the first defensive action where he went and chased down the the attacker uh, for Asteras and, and got the ball out of bounds. I think he actually won a foul on that play. Yep. And then the second one where Cissé almost got in a little bit of trouble and Rebchick kind of came in deputized and, and took care of the ball. Um, looks very calm. I mean... He's, he's easily good enough to play in Super League and hopefully Europe as well. So, I mean, it's it's a short sample, but, you know, we saw, we were excited about Brusai after five minutes and and he's turned out pretty well uh, to this day. So we'll see him this weekend, I bet, against Ricos. Hopefully we get to see him more and more and he continues to play that well.
1: Yeah, I wonder what we can talk about, like, if we want to talk about what we want to see this weekend, but I'd love to see him get 90 minutes over there um, this weekend to just see what he's got. Maybe... Yep. I, I don't know what Martin's thinking is because we have to look again to Wednesday, almost season-defining game against Pauk. You know, like if we win, the season's over. We're ahead by I think ten to eleven points. Like, knock on wood, that should be enough. So, so what's the strategy going into that? Do we give Rebchuk ninety minutes? Or we still we we keep playing along with Holebas, not trying to mix up the the system? I don't know. I don't know what you guys think.
0: I think for the weekend. Actually, I should preface this by saying, I think he should start against Balk. That's my personal opinion. Maybe if he p- comes in this weekend and looks a bit shaky, then we go with Lodebas. But I'm excited, and I think he should get at least a start this weekend. Maybe not the full 90 if they're still worried about you know getting him bled in, but he's certainly not short of fitness. He'd been playing a lot in Portugal, and I think he could probably do with... You know, uh, a full ninety minutes. He said he wants to play. Uh, he's up for these big challenges. This is this Pout game is going to be where we see what he can
2: do. I think. I mean, personally, I would love if he played on that left side against Bauk because their right defensive side is still just awful, and he would just from that fifteen minutes looks like he would run rings around him. But I don't think that's what we're going to see. Uh, you know, he just came in. He hasn't really experienced a der- the derby life. And he's not gelling, you know, he hasn't really gelled with the team. He's got to get to know the team. I want him to play the 90, give Olebas the rest, because Holebas for sure will be starting in that ball game because he's going to be a little bit more solid. He knows the derbies. It's a familiar experience. And Martins isn't that big of a risk taker. So that's exactly what we're going to see. But I want to see a full 90 from Oleg on Saturday.
1: In these coronavirus times, like, a derby is not as hot and contested as it is you know like I feel like if we were talking about this with fans and Tumba like on a Wednesday night Oleg would like still be on the bus you know like getting used to that environment but like now that there's no fans it's still like a conversation could be had like if he has a decent game maybe he can play like if this 22 year old was coming from Portugal like and it's been here for two weeks and we were talking about throwing him in the deep end against Pauk like in a pack Tumba like that's never gonna happen just I don't know, just as you were talking about that, I was thinking of, like, how coronavirus has changed slightly, how team management may go anyway.
0: Well, and not to mention, like, a lot of teams are dealing with congested fixtures, and there's, like, more attention being paid to resting players as well. So that's another thing. That's a very good point, Nambro. But bottom line, you know, I'm encouraged by Oleg. Maybe we don't see him against Pauk. And, I mean, to be honest with you, like, We've beaten Ike with Jose Jodebas. We've beaten, like, Marseille with Jose Jodebas. Like, we could probably get by Pauk with Jose Jodebas, honestly. Um, so it's not the worst thing in the world, especially if Jodebas gets a rest this weekend. I don't want to see him in the squad. Like, let him go to Glifada for the weekend. He deserves the time off. And it's either Rebchuk or – I mean, honestly, for Panitolicos, maybe we start Rebchuk, we score a few goals, we throw, like, some – out-of-position player at left back or something and just, you know, get through the game. But looking back to today's game, uh, a couple players who had, a, as Glambra would say, a bit of a shocking performance. Uh, the first one I would say, Yorgos Masuras. Uh, a, a shout out to Adi's coach, Yanni, again. We played this game with 10 players uh, and still won, so that was nice. Masuras, um, not his best game today, especially he popped up in some central areas, which isn't really where I personally think he's meant to be, and just absolutely no clinical finishing to be found anywhere with Masuras today. He had a lot of opportunities in the box and just whiffed and uh, looked really
2: uninspiring throughout. Yeah, it was poor. It was poor for me. I sometimes I wonder if Masuras is the type of player that practices better than he actually plays real games. I can't tell you how many, how many guys I used to play with that were like that. In practice, they were unbeatable. I mean, they would dribble rings around people, they couldn't hit a set piece wrong, but then you get them in a real game opportunity and they look like the worst guy on the field. And Sometimes I wonder if Masuras is like that I mean look we know we know that he tracks back you know, we know that his effort on and off the field is is good, but the product can sometimes be absolutely dreadful, and it makes me wonder like what what he's doing in training that continues to give him these looks. He has to be doing something right, or he wouldn't continue to see the field because he you know, he has one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game, or sometimes two bad games. It's shocking. Uh, Semedo was – I was calling for a substitution at like 25 minutes. He, I mean, halftime, I wanted him off. He was really poor. This was probably the worst game I've ever seen him play. I mean, terrible challenges, reckless challenges too – And not to say that he did really bad things with the ball. He was okay with the ball at his feet, but defensively, the positioning was off. His body language was just bad. I mean, flat footed at times, not on his toes, little things like that. It it was poor. It was really bad for him. I was worried. I part of me thinks fatigue maybe has to do because you play, um, you know, uh, over 90 minutes. And then three days later, you're playing again. You know, you played 150 minutes in three or f- three days. Maybe that's taking a toll on him, needs a bit of a break. But, man, that was bad.
0: I think fatigue is potentially a big factor there as well, especially considering that he got subbed off. I mean, he also didn't play well, which is another reason that players get subbed off. But I don't really think Martinez had that in mind when he was making changes in the second half because we were pretty comfortably in the driver's seat in this game when Tomato was subbed off, if I remember correctly. But there was one point in the first half when their winger Sito, I think is his name, literally just on the counter, just r- ran right around Tomato, like made him look like nothing, uh, just completely took him to school. And it was, you know, there were some other moments where Samedo had more mental lapses. I mean, that certainly sounds like fatigue to me. I assume he gets the weekend off, uh, which is hopefully nice, but, We've said it before. We will say it again. Semedo, mental lapses are what's going to keep him from being a top center back. Uh, Cissé obviously is not as talented as Semedo, but also had some mental lapses when he came on as a sub today. Didn't look fantastic. I think Ba was generally pretty good. He had that one tackle when he slipped on the grass or something. Maybe there was some wet grass and and got a yellow card and and Lombro was calling for Ba's head. But, you know, that was really the one thing that I remember from Ba that uh, wasn't executed well. And then Rafinha was also not very good. Just the entire back line, really, except for Rebchuk and Ba. Uh, pretty pretty disappointing, I think, but we still keep the clean sheet.
1: Yeah, and Adi can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... So Sumato accumulated yellow cards, and I think I read somewhere that he selected to f- take his suspension on this weekend's game. I think I read that. And Ba chose to take his suspension against Pazianina next weekend's game because he's also collected cards. And honestly, my criticisms of Ba during the game, I don't know if I worded it correctly in technique. Maybe he has good technique and Adi would know this much more than me. Like, I don't want to critique a player's technique because I'm not a trainer. I'm not a professional athlete. But he does certain things that kind of just seem weird to me, like he'll like have studs up and go into someone's ankle and get a card. He's jumping for a ball for a header and he'll flail an arm or something and just foul someone unnecessarily. And that, that's like my one concern with him. I feel like there's moments where he just gets cards for stupid stuff like that. Like going up for a header from like a goal goalkeeper kicking the ball and just flails an arm and takes eats in a yellow card. Or like does that, I think is like actual fundamentals of like Samato gets tight on someone and just pulls them down for a yellow card like Ba doesn't do that but what I mean more is like he'll do like his tackling is almost strange he'll go over the ball sometimes or he'll go in really hard and that can be a yellow card I don't I don't know it's really nitpicking because honestly he had a great game but it's just something I've noticed I don't know
2: you brought that up when in our in our chat when we were talking about it during the game and I'll be honest with you I've I've never really noticed that awkwardness when going in the going up in the air I have noticed that he does flail his arms and I'll be honest with you it's sometimes that's tough. I remember I remember we used to have to train with our hands in our shirts sometimes just to get used to like not moving them around, not copying a Especially on the defensive end, not copying a handball—that was something one of my coaches used to do. Uh, like keeping your hands inside, and then just like using—you're trying to focus more on your legs at least to, to move around and get up. You obviously have to use your hands. That's part of how you build momentum when you jump and stuff. But you do have to get control of that. But when it comes to his to 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 his closing down opponents, I mean his. His technique when he's going in there, his his body positioning is always almost perfect. The fundamentals are there. He positions himself in a way where if they turn on him, he's right there next to him. And I'm not super concerned with him not bodying up on everybody. He gives himself space sometimes if there's a player that's faster than him. That's what you're supposed to do if you're not comfortable, you know the player has better skill than you. That's what you do. You give yourself that step, kind of like what Yanni was talking about. You give yourself that space and allow him and give yourself an extra step to gain on him where he turns. Now he had the slip today, which is why he went studs up. But as far as the defense is concerned, Boz accumulated on a season hole. When I checked earlier, less yellows than the other players on the team right now on a hole. So he doesn't accumulate that many yellows um he's he's had a couple he's had a couple of slides in the box this season but they were about as perfect as a slide can be so i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt i don't see much awkward with his defensive positioning uh even on the ball he's way better on the ball than he used to be too i'm more than happy with how he looks in the air he needs to watch his arm though he flails his arms a lot i will i agree with that 100% but like comparing him to the challenges we've seen Semedo have where they're actually studs up and just like taking somebody's legs out underneath or see say the same thing, Boz form his, his form for me, his composure when closing somebody down, I think it's the best on the team.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's still that ammonia challenge when he went two feet in, like it's been stuck in my head. I don't know if you guys remember that where he just flew in two foot and like it was super unorthodox. Like, he he's, sometimes does stuff like that where he like jumps. I, I, I'm i way too nitpicky. But again, his positioning that... What you're talking about, giving defender space and knowing the speed, he is so good at. Like, levels past Semedo, it feels like. Because Semedo will do that thing where he gets tight. It, it's Arsenal defending Mustafi, who we mentioned earlier, gets tight. And then, boom, just flick around the corner and he's gone. Then Semedo grabs the shirt and, boom, yellow card. So... Yeah, no, I, I I agree completely. Like he's fantastic at that, but it's just something I've noticed. Like may, maybe it's wrong. I I I need to check my bias a little bit.
0: Moving up the pitch to the attack, what did you guys think of Bruma today? He had that nice goal. I think he megged the keeper. In fact, on a gorgeous assist from Mahdi. he was just barely onside, I think, or basically inconclusively onside. Um, and Mahdi had that perfectly weighted ball, fed Bruma for the goal. Bruman did a cool celebration with Fortunis after the goal, which Lambro was excited about. What did you guys think about him today? I think he looked a bit better. Uh, Still a bit of awkwardness. You know, he wasn't perfect. Um, We haven't looked at the analytics yet, but I think he certainly looked better than he did the last time out, and um, hopefully that's maybe a sign of improvement. I
2: mean, his off-the-ball movement was stellar. didn't matter where he was on the pitch. He was moving around. He wanted the ball. Track back pretty decently to defend as well. I was pretty pleased with that. Wasn't super successful winning the ball back, but at least the effort was there. And I thought he did well going forward. Look, we've said this. We even said this on the deep dive when Bruma came in. His ball skills are not quite as fine-tuned as some players. Like He doesn't have the low center of gravity that Podence did. He's fast. He's going to rely a little bit more on his speed and his physicality to try and get by people. He might do a quick touch in and out here and there. Um, don't look for him too much to be able to successfully do employ scissors or some other fancy tricks. Uh, he he knows what he has. He can have a bit of a lead foot at times too. But the, the one nice thing about Broom is you don't see too many players like this that lack that kind of technical touch on the ball, but then are still pretty good in link-up play. I don't remember too many times where in interplay with Fortunis or El Arabi or even the midfielders, Madi and and Vila, where he was losing the ball on a one or two touch. He's actually pretty accurate with the pass, and you don't always see that with a player that's not technically sound on the ball. I'm going to give credit to this, to the Dutch, to the, you know, to the Dutch philosophy and the Dutch background he has in training, because that's something they focus on. Pass and move, pass and move. So he may not be very astute dribbling the ball and the fanciest, but he knows what works for him and he can, and he can move the ball around in possession. We can't really ask for more than that. And so as far as I'm concerned, he had a good game, but the question we need to keep asking yourself is the more and more performances this we see, the more data about the player we get, is he worth the six and a half million euro price tag? And I'm not so sure about that yet.
0: I think he's not personally. Um, I actually didn't even know. I I thought he was younger. He's 26 years old. Yeah. Um, I mean, he obviously – you still potentially have room to improve technically, but it's going to be only a matter of time before the speed starts to go away, you know, and uh, I don't think he's worth it personally. I wouldn't be mad if he was – if we had just, you know, bought him and he was on our team. Like, I think he's a valuable asset to the team, but it's hard for me to be – so committed to his development when it's going to cost so much to bring him in. I just don't think it's worth it. But for the rest of the season, we'll see what he can do. I think he's certainly a valuable piece to the team. The good news is, I suppose, when he leaves, Fusai will still be here. Masuras will still be here, however people feel about that. And Lazar will still be here, however people feel about that. But I don't think he's worth the buyout.
1: Honestly, when I evaluate Bruma, I, I start to think back about time under Pedro Martins, take away podence like what other solid winger have we had like a solid winger season have we had under pedro martins like i i'm trying to think i don't think we've had anyone we've struck out on nahuel gil diaz fedfadzi these Lazaro's did well until the injury it's difficult to think like we we haven't had a good winger other than podence and like or we've had decent wingers but like a, a top winger in like three years Bruma offers something that I don't think anyone has been able to produce. Again, Podense is not in this conversation right now. I don't think anyone outside, like, we've seen be able to do what he does. And so he's exciting in that aspect. And honestly, it's still early days here. Like, he's just finally getting a few starts in a row. I honestly just say, like, just ride with this guy. He obviously has the talent. Like, let's see. Let's just see what he does. Like, also, he had the commitment. And will to come back into this team after getting injured how many times and saying like, yeah, I'm sticking with this team and I'm sticking with this loan. Like, good on him. Honestly, let, let's just give him a roll. Like, we have struggled to get good wingers into this club for three years. Like, this may be one. Let's let's roll with him because he hasn't shown us he's a disaster. So let let's let's give him a
0: chance. Well, I don't disagree. I mean, this season, he's going to be a very valuable part of our team and he does possess some qualities that none of our other wingers do. Uh, And he does seem to like the club. He seems to get along well with the players, even the Greek players. And he seems to like it here and he wants to play, which honestly for a lot of these high profile loan players is, is really great because as we've seen, some of them don't uh, with some names that we won't mention anymore, but. It's good to see Bruma playing well, at least while he's here, but I I still need to see a lot more of him before we think about shelling out the the big money for him, especially with coronavirus. Like, the club clearly doesn't intend to spend a lot of money right now. And, you know, we've talked about why, from a financial logical perspective, that makes sense. But I I don't really think it's a good idea, and I don't think the club will. Wrapping up on this game, uh, unless you guys have any last points to talk about, I'll just start off with my man-of-the-match and coach's grade. Uh, As I mentioned before, man-of-the-match is Mahdi. Um, Aside from the goal and the assist, he was just everywhere once again. Um, Like I said, after the last game, he was everywhere. He did everything. He's in his natural position as the number eight, going box-to-box. He had a couple really nice moments going by defenders, was very smooth on the ball. And I loved watching it. It was beautiful to watch today. He played great. Coach's grade, uh, I will say A minus. I think. Um, only just because, you know, it's hard to criticize a 4-0 victory when the team played reasonably well. I don't think everything was perfect. I wish El-Arabi would have gotten off a bit earlier. He's been played a lot. I kind of assume he won't be in the team this weekend. Maybe we see Kuipers or something. But he's gotten a lot of uh, football under his, under his feet. And we're going to need him fresh for Pauk. So I kind of wish he could have gotten off a little bit earlier, but it's, it's once again Martins, you know, not taking those risks until the game is really squared away. So it's not surprising. I also kind of wish we could have seen Antruzos, who wasn't even on the bench today. Uh, we had both Fortunis and Thiago Silva on the bench today, which really doesn't make that much sense to me. Uh, they both play the same position and neither of them started. So I would say either give Fortunis the day off entirely or leave Thiago Silva at home. So long story short, that's why Martínez gets the A- for me. Uh, In terms of tactics, uh, we played pretty well, except for some mistakes on the defensive end. So I'm not really going to complain too much. What about you, Lampro?
1: Matty Camara had a fantastic game, and he's really getting back into really good form. I don't think he was in bad form, but like he's back into that top form, almost, I want to say. And I think that, Peter, you hit the nail on the head. He's back in that 8 position in the... It, not in that 4-3-3, in the 4-2-3-1, and that is just pushed him so much higher. He's not so high up the field and just almost like on an island there. He can make those runs from deep, cutting in, and it's such a breath of fresh air. And it, it just feels so good to see him back in that position. Like, that's where it started. That's where it should be. So happy to see him there. So, yeah, man of the match, Marikamara. And also... I can't say man of the match, but what an incredible performance by Costas Fortunis today! Like Ruben Someto said in his post-game interview, Costas Fortunis is in a class of his own. He's above the rest. I think is is something along the quote, and he's so right. He's just a class player when he's on his day. Beautiful free kick. Didn't celebrate as well. Interesting for his few years in uh, Tripoli. Very nice. Anyway, coaching grade, yeah, A minus. I was the only thing I was disappointed about was like, come on, man, like let let let's see oleg for a, a longer stretch and yeah maybe like like rafinha we know what this guy's about like let's go see Ra- let, let's see Andretos for a few games maybe this saturday i really doubt it but anyway we'll see
2: um i'm going to be a little different uh not with the man of the match i mean Mati again. Two times I thought you were going to give it to Fort again. <laughs> no. It's like,
0: I don't know, guys. Mati played all right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Gustav played well when he came on. I mean, some of the stuff he did was just gorgeous. The I mean, first The first ball. Yeah, the first ball, I mean, beautiful. But first touch, one touch, sends it down the wing. I mean, gorgeous. And then the he had a run down the left side, then cut and dribbled through three guys in, to get towards the middle of the field where he then wins a foul. Yep. Or sorry, he uh, lays the ball off, I believe, for El Arabi, and then El Arabi gets the foul. I remember I was super irritated because I was like, what a gorgeous run from Fortuny's for him to ruin it, but he ends up winning the foul. And then, of course, the gorgeous free kick. Uh, did some great things, but, got I mean, there's no way. I don't see how anybody can say that Mahdi doesn't get man of the match. I know there were a couple polls we saw on Greek Twitter and on uh, our, our good friend, Kostalevouianis, on LibiaKos EU, and everybody said the same thing. I mean, it was clear. Mahdi, when he's in his groove, he is... He is one of the best right now, one of the best eights. I mean, it's not a joke when you watch him play to say, hey, the next Yaya Torre. You know what I mean? I mean, he is so good. Well-deserving of the man of the match, 100%. Now, for Martins, I'm I'm going to give him an A because uh, tactically I didn't see anything wrong with it. Now, the lineup, would I have preferred not to see Masuras? Yes, but rotation's good. I don't mind him rotating a couple guys here and there, Valbuena, uh, Valbuena at the 10. I was, I was okay with that as long as Valbuena was coming off pretty early. And you know what? In the first half, he made a lot of ma- he managed the game. He was rotating the guys up top. Winger switched. Uh, our ten switched three times during the course of the first half. So I that was good game management for him to try and get more out of it. We went into the half two nothing. Uh, second half we started again. Same thing. Like I said, a little slow to start the second half. But he made some quick changes. 58th minute, we had two subs in there. Uh, we uh, Valbuena came out uh, for Fortunis and uh, Semedo came off, you know, those were, you know, Valbuena needed to come off because we have to preserve him. We can't run him into the ground like we, like we did last year and like we did the first half of the season. Good changes, and you saw things more in open play. We were getting much more effective. Not that the, we weren't okay, but we got way better as the second half progressed. So I have to give him an A for that. For nothing, the he made the adjustments that needed to be made, and the lineup was good. For this weekend, let's see Rusai on the wing.
0: Let's see Semedo getting a day off. Let's see Valbuena probably getting a day off. Let's see Rebchuk for more. Maybe even Kuyper's up top. Andruzzos, get him in at right back. We'll hope for the best this weekend against Panitoricos. Lambroni final thoughts?
1: Yeah, honestly, there's more a question. To you guys, did Drager make the squad list? Could we see him this weekend? Does anyone? I don't know? believe. Is, so. is he still out? Okay.
2: No. The yeah. Just doctor injury. He's not going to be. He won't be ready. I think till the middle. The earliest, probably the middle of the month. They said that. They were gonna go on the more conservative end with his injury because I know it was like three to six weeks, three or yeah. three to six weeks, three to seven weeks, and they were gonna take it easier because, as I mentioned when we were talking about it, uh, after I consulted my wife, who's a doctor, you got to be careful with these things because they can get way worse if you're not careful about them earlier. You can dislocate your entire hip. You can just screw up those joints. We don't want any part of that. So they'll probably take the full seven weeks, which will be the middle of this month. And then we'll probably see him uh, feature once in a while.
1: Yeah, I, I just I, I didn't look at the squad list that closely. So I was thinking maybe he would play. Honestly, Thiago Silva, let, let's see him. He can play as well. as well.
0: That's a good point, no, bro Yeah.
1: Also, Pepe. Has Pepe not played in almost... Three, four games, is that right? Or the, as he The played great aggressor getting to him. Or maybe he played <laughs> against Ike and it was just very short. I don't think but he yeah, did. yeah, maybe it's time to see... Um, Maybe it's time... I, I, I don't know if Buh- Buhalakis didn't make the trip to Tripoli either. I don't know if he'll be ready for this weekend. Anyway, honestly, we'll see. I trust Coach Martins, honestly. I think he'll put out a decent lineup. Just a little bit of rotation again. And yeah, I know I'm looking forward to the game this weekend as well. Another away game, unfortunately. Three away games in a row. Not ideal, but hopefully they can get through it.
0: Pepe hasn't played since the La La Lamia game. I just checked. Interesting footnote, but maybe we'll see him on Saturday. Anyway, that's about all we have for today. I want to thank you so much for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Very sorry about the mix-up with Matt, but we will have that episode coming out, and we'll let you know on our social media accounts as soon as we have the date pinned down. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit at Gate7INTL. Until then, enjoy the Panatorikos game. We will have our next episode out probably Sunday or Monday, depending on when we record it. And yeah, we'll see you very soon.